Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the From Busy to Rich podcast. This podcast exists to inspire advisors like you to increase your profitability and quality of your life, but not just for yourself, for those that you serve. Uh, Wes, it's good to see you again, and uh, welcome to uh, a new series. Um, and I'm very confident that uh, it's going to apply in a very practical way. We've got a couple uh, episodes back to back in the series, um, and I appreciate you planning them, and I'm excited to have the conversations with you about them. Yeah, looking forward to it, Andy. This is one of my uh, favorite things to talk about, particularly in this time of year. If you're listening to the podcast um, in, in in at the day it comes out, because this is the time of the year where we're this airs in January, where people are are thinking about a lot of things, thinking about resolutions and time and calendars and budgets and all these different things that if you're not, if you're normally not thinking about them, some people think about them more often than others. This is it. So I'm looking forward to talking about what we're going to talk about today. So give us the title and sort of the, uh, the boundary uh, around this, uh, this series. Um, and, and of course, it you know very much ties into the start of the year. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's uh, the the series is called the the productivity paradox. The productivity paradox: how boundaries and assertions dance. Okay, so th- this came out of I was reading one of my uh, favorite favorite uh, authors, speakers, quotes as we mentioned many times on the podcast, Seth Godin, and he had a really short one that's an older one that I just found uh, came across as I was doing a little bit of uh, kind of kind of research and creating. And and it says this, boundaries are levers and assertions are maps, which means that budgets, timelines, plans, decision trees, and projections are nothing to be afraid of. They're a gift. They give us the chance to act as if, to describe a possible future, and then to lean against them as we work to create the place we seek to be. And, and I really love that. And, and I want to I dig into where I, I think that can apply in so many different ways. Um, but is this paradox of productivity between boundaries and assertions? Um, if you've ever thought about a, a boundary, you know, the, the definition, one definition at least is it's something that indicates bounds or limits. It, it's a, a limiting or bounding line. An assertion, on the other hand, if left to itself, um, un, unattached is a positive statement or declaration often. So not always, but often without support or reason, a mere assertion, an unwarranted assertion. And as we talk about this particular um, lever today uh, and, and blend in the way I think this dances, uh, I, I think understanding that like we always often talk about on the, sh- on the show, uh, optimism, and that the best definition of optimism is grounded uh, or useful thinking. Useful thinking is always grounded, not just in a big future that you're trying to get to that's possible. That's one aspect of it, but also grounded in the reality of today. What are the demands that I need to take care of? So it's got roots and wings, if you will. And that's what I think when I think about this, this productivity paradox between boundaries and assertions that they need to be, you need both in order to really move forward in a meaningful way. So there is something unnatural i think about budgeting in that um it 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 feels like you're guessing um i think you are (laughs) i think that's what a budget is 
it can be an educated or uneducated guess, but it's a guess, right? And I would submit that um, a lot of people see it as a negative, as a restraint. Uh, therefore, they feel like I'm guessing and it's a negative, so I don't want to do it or I dread doing it. Or even when I have one, I view it in a certain way. And it actually reminds me of a moment I had umpiring a few months ago. And, um, you know, we had these boundaries set up on the field. And it was one of these fields that was kind of converted from a different size field to a smaller field. And um, we had a problem come up because we had um, the boundaries were not clear on something. And an argument ensued. And it just reminded me that when boundaries are clear, there's there's agreement. There's there's less room for people to be frustrated and 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 so instead of viewing the boundaries as a negative, it was like no, we need really clear boundaries. We need a you know whether it's a budget or it's a what's foul or fair. Um, having those things makes life a lot cleaner and simpler. So I want to ask you, Wes, what what is the propensity we have against budgeting? Yeah, the budget was our favorite one to start with because I mean we looked at a whole list of these and and I certainly there's there's going to be several other topics that we discuss around this productivity paradox but but it's just it, it, it the reason we started with budgets is because I'm doing one right now and and I'm in the middle of this paradox of of thought and I I think it's on the one hand you know you're you're coming into the year and you do, you, 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 you know, if you're, if you're us, you've got a lot of plans and you've got a lot of things that you would love to see occur and love to see happen. Um, and, and then you, you with a budget have to say, okay, how am I going to align the use of capital in this case, income and, and outgo with the future we really care about? Yeah. And, and, the thing is, and I've not met anybody who can do this very well, is predict the future is is very difficult thing to do. And, and so you, but but here's what you can do is is you can reasonably with reason and history get a, get close. And I think I just think about when I used to uh, we used to do budgets, and and in the beginning it was more of a well, here's what I want to happen, and I kind of put that that profit and loss on the on the deal, and and it looked great, Andy, on paper. Yeah. Uh, because it was like, man, we're going to have a great year, and it, and then you actually live it, and 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 if you're not careful, you know, the, we talk about all the time, you don't want to be a defender of an outdated map. Like yeah. that map wasn't even ever real; it was nothing historical. It was something I created in my head that I'd like to be, yeah. as far as income and outgo. It, and then it'd fall apart because there was no grounding, and and I think that's where for me, I think everybody's wired a little bit differently. But for me, that's what that was where I, everything changed is when I discovered, hey, if I can, if I can just start with historical, what, what have we done? Not, not temper the, because the other side of that is like, I think people go so far one way. If you're wired the other way, where it's, let's just cut all the costs and, and let's, let's not even look at what could be. If, if those things occur, then we can talk about a better future, but let's just survive. So I want to step back, um, to the earlier thought. And I think you're touching on it somewhat, but but there is a tension within a budget of um, you know that there is forecasting that you you don't you know I used to live in South Dakota and it was reasonable to believe that it was going to be very cold for five months of the year right it was reasonable right but I didn't know how cold I didn't know I just you know 
so there, there's a, there's a range. I'm, I'm curious. I think there's a lot of people that just don't budget. They just go. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you can maybe reframe the, the freedom that comes from just put it on paper. Okay. You haven't done it. Okay. You, 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 you were way off last year. Yeah. Okay. I, there, there just seems to be, um, to me, and again, this is flipping it is that there has to be a perspective shift on it. And, and, and I, I think it's just, it's healthy. It does not, it's not what comes natural and what comes natural to us is usually it's our destruction, right? So yeah. budget natural, that means they're probably good. So how, how can you begin to view a budget as something that brings freedom or clarity? Well, I love, there's a, a Jack Lou quote. He was a politician, economic advisor to uh, some presidents. And he, he makes this, this statement. He says, for, um, the budget is not just a collection of numbers, but an expression of our values and our aspirations. So, so I think the moment you can begin to see the world in that context, that, hey, the, the budget's going to be a good tool for me, that, that is going to be an expression of my values and aspirations, but do it in a grounded way because not doing it, like, like you said, Andy, the people that wake up and just start going and, you know, it, it's, they're doing life by default instead of by design is it never feels good to not know where you are. Cause here's the deal. People who are like, well, I don't want to look because I'm afraid of what I'd like to see. They're still afraid. Like that's, that's the thing is like, it doesn't, it's not in their mind. They're going, I'm just assuming I'm great. It's, right. I'm just going to run and hope that enough money comes in to take care of the outgo. And I'm not really planning on where things are going. I'm not really deciding. And, and it's, you can't get where you want to go unless you con first start with where you are relative to where you, you're trying to go. We use the language all the time in, uh, when we're working with clients is in our, in our very first meeting, uh, internally, we call that a location phase conversation. And, and the reason we do that is because if you've ever been physically lost, in, yeah. Like in public place, airport, mall, museum. Yeah. You go look at a directory. And the reason is the directory tells you where you are relative to what your options are. So if you're not starting by knowing where you are, you really don't even understand what your options are. You know what I find fascinating? Because I literally was, I was looking at one of these directories. I had been in the last month. And I thought to myself, you know, 90% of the purpose of this is where am I? Mm-hmm. I was frustrated, but I was like, whoever made these doesn't recognize that 90% of the equation is where am I? It should have like seven arrows that all point from the different and say, you're here. That's I, right. Once I know that, you know, I'm good. Like I, then, yep. the rest is very easy, right? Yeah. Right, left, up, down, right. But I was like, it just, and, and so again, there should, and this is the perspective change on this that I, that I hope people have is that, um, you can't, you cannot get better until you know who and how you're doing. And the other reality is maybe things are good and maybe you worry more than you should. Yeah. Right. I was listening to a gentleman the other night, um, our radio show, and he was talking about how much he should hold back for his business. And he wanted us, and I was like, I've got this equipment worth $50,000. And if it breaks down, or how much money do I have in the bank? And the guy was like, well, how much does it cost to fix a machine like that? He's like, I mean, if it was horrible, it would be like $20,000. Yeah. Like, well, you know, and the guy was keeping like a hundred thousand in his account just to buy a new machine. He's like, dude, keep 20 in there and then take the money out and enjoy it. He's like, oh, okay. But he just didn't know. Like, 
And the problem is, if you don't know, you can neither celebrate nor really know how bad it is. You right. know, um, and, and that, can't make grounded decisions in the way forward. Um, no. Making ungrounded guesses about, I don't know what this is going to do for me. Um, and I, again, there's, there's flexibility with it. I'm not saying you need to every morning wake up and understand, okay, here's where we are exactly. Right. But you can't let a year go by and and still feel like you're you're ma- able to make grounded assessments about the next step in light of what's occurring. Yeah. You know and I and I think that there's a great book on this is Atomic Habits where it talks about, you know, that there's there's things that make building habits um more effective and um you know, I I find that when we focus on the smaller levers that um it makes a big lever easier, right? Um, and, you know, I, I think about this in our neighborhood. I, I, we, we mow up my youngest, she's 12 and she mows a few lawns. And I just think, you know, if we skip a few weeks, uh, of mowing grass, meaning the small levers, you know, we got to come back and we got to cut it three times and move the grass. And, and it's like, it's not worth it, right? It's not, it's, it's, if you do the little things right, then you're never going to have to tackle the, the really big thing. And I would just encourage folks, if you're listening and um, you're really afraid of maybe your reality, that, um, you know, the, it's the equivalent of saying, I'm really scared about crossing the street, so I'm just going to close my eyes and gun it. Okay, you can do that, but, but you know, and it might even work, yeah. right? But it's probably not, right? So I think the part of it is just removing and saying, I'm not going to judge where I am right now. I'm just going to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure out where I am. Um, and then I think the shift of saying this budget is the path that gets me there. It's a road that gets me there. You know? And it will become a tool, a key performance indicator of, of every aspect of, of uh, a, a large aspect of your growth as well. So it's imperative if, if you've not done if you're not used to doing them, or, or maybe you, you just, you thought of it as like an afterthought. Okay. We just kind of look at where things are. I really encourage you. I think it's, it's, it's one of the best things you can do. It is such a creative tool when, when used well, that it, it truly becomes that, um, not you know, like, he, like Jack says, not just a collection of numbers, but an expression of your values and aspirations. And ultimately it helps you keep score. Yeah. I'm curious if either one of you guys, um, how many stories or situations involving budgeting that maybe you'd want to share, uh, from your, from your experience with clients that, um, or maybe in the business that might be relevant to this. Um, I have a client. Oh, go, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, I'll let you go first. Okay. I, I, uh, this, this doesn't occur a lot, but occasionally, um, talking about just being, uh, ungrounded optimism and things. Um, I've got a client and, and we have this conversation once a year. Uh, I won't say his name. Uh, I don't know if he listens or not, but some do. And, and his, his, uh, question to me is all, he's like, so listen, I've decided, I think I'm going to retire in two years. And I always say, okay. And what does that actually look like for you? Like income wise and, and things he goes, well, we don't spend a lot of money. And I say, but exactly like if what's not a lot, like what would you need coming in the door? And cause I already know, cause we had this conversation the year before what the final number is and, and, and it always changes. And he's always gets to the point where he's like, well, what, I think I need, and, and you just fill in the number, whatever it is, you know, two, two, $200,000. 
you say, okay, well, right now you make 500000 and you have $700,000 in invest, total liquid investments. How long do you think that's going to last if you're spending two hundred? And I just don't, I don't even think you're just spending two hundred. but let's say it's your number. How long do you think that's going to last? He's like, huh, well, can't we just get a higher rate of return on it? I'm like, what kind of rate of return do you think we'd have to get to make it last? And I'll throw it into a calculator that just reverse engineers it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, so you're saying I, I probably shouldn't retire. I said, not, you shouldn't retire if you're going to live off 200,000. But, yeah. but it's, it's a good example of even budgeting for retirement. And we, it's not like he doesn't know the number. It's not like we hadn't had the conversation. Uh, like I said, he is the exception. <laughs> Most clients are like, know my number, know where I'm trying to get and for what we care about. And let's see if that's changed. But it's, it's funny that it's just in the dark. Yeah, it's fascinating to disconnect. And also even saying, hey, I don't think I need 200. It's like, so did you have 300 extra this year from your 500? Oh, no. Yeah. I, okay, what's the 200 come from? I don't know. It just seems like less. It seems, yeah. it seems less. <laughs> Which it is less, actually. You just can't live on that. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, Justin? Yeah, sim- kind of a similar situation. was more of, you know, every year, throughout the year, especially when we take on new clients, we're building it out goals, objectives, and then monitoring what's changing as that flows and life happens. But I think of one particular client where we built everything out, built out kind of a budget of what we need to save towards, all the things they're working towards. And then is maybe a month later with no heads up or anything like that. Hey, we need to pull, you know, $500,000 out. And I was like, okay, is everything all right? Like, yeah, we just bought a, we just bought this house, this extra house that we think we're going to Airbnb or something later. I'm like, okay, how does that fit into your overall goal? Well, really, it doesn't. Like, okay, well, great. Can we change that and we take a look at it? Ultimately, what we found is it had nothing to do with anything they actually wanted to work towards. But but like Wes says, we forget what we want ultimately. We're willing to exchange that for what we can have immediately. And so I try to use the analogy with them. Like, it's kind of like, like budget to me or boundaries is more like bowling. Like the bumpers of bowling, it's going to help you hit the pins, not keep you from having something else that might be fun and enjoyable. You can change the pins up. Like if you want different pins, put different pins up, but then have some sort of bumpers or or a retainer wall or something like that going down the highway. Like it's to keep you from going off into the ravine. Like that's what we're trying to prevent here. But the reality of it is devil's advocate. Um is that when you have no boundaries, and I, re- I, I fully recognize the ridiculousness of the sentence before I state it, okay? But when you have no boundaries, when you have no budget, you can't be out of bounds and you can't be out of budget, right? So it is this level of chosen ignorance that you go, you know, I'm good. Why? Because there's no, is it fair or foul? There's no, I mean, I've been, and I apologize to keep using this example, but I, it comes to mind. You know, we played, a, you know, I helped umpire at a local league at a small town. And sometimes they remember to paint the lines in the outfield. And sometimes it rains a lot and they go away. And it's so funny because, you know, before the game, we have a plate meeting and we'll look out and I'll look in the outfield and I'll go, well, you're just going to have to trust me because there's no line out there. You know, the ball gets hit out there. They're like, fair, foul. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, you know what, though, Andy, I mean, on that, I, I do think here's what it does is. Because, because I think I think in in some regards, people that think, well, I don't if I if I create a budget or a spending plan that has both income and outgo, then I'm limiting my options. 
but your options are going to be limited either way. Because if you choose not to have a spending plan that allocates money, let's say, uh, to, um, to investments that ultimately would be there to make work optional, then yeah. you will not have the option in the future to not work. Yeah. So, so I think boundaries, like boundaries will be imposed by you or, or by default, by design or by default. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's where people forget or, or, and I don't think they forget. I just don't think they think deeply about this stuff a lot of times. Well, I, what I would say is I, I agree with the word deeply in that sense. I don't think people think deeply, but I also think that one of the things that's wonderful about a budget is it is this time. And I want you to go through a, a few of the, the details of this in a minute, but it is a time of, of a lot of concentration about a topic a lot of people are not very excited about. But imagine if you do that. Um, I think about meal planning is sort of the same idea. Like, yeah, I've been cooking for three days straight right? Or whatever. But then think of how many other times you then don't need to make decisions. And I think the trade-off is to say, I'm going to make some really big decisions now. And it's not like you can never adjust your budget, right? But I'm going to really go deep into this so that I'm not making decisions again and again and again and again and again. Because if you make the decision for how much should be in this category, when the opportunity comes up to put, spend money in that category, you don't have to use any, the decision has been made, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the other thing is people feel like, oh, it's going to restrict me. It's like, no, it's, 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 it's not like they hit the ball and then you go, what should we do? Like everybody knows the boundaries. And so they know we should pay attention or we should ignore it, right? But with no boundaries, it's chaos, right? Right. And I think that there's an emotional and a mental weight that people carry that just comes in micro doses. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I hope, right? Um, just chosen ignorance that people would rather take micro doses of that than they would go, I'm going to, I'm going to really do the work of making a plan. Yeah. And, and, you know, I like the meal plan concept because, you know, at the end, decision fatigue is a real thing. And, and it's, it's true with your spending. It's true with your, your eating, um, with your exercise plan. If you've pre-made a bunch of decisions and in advance, your, your, your probability of success is through the roof because of decision fatigue. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, the, you know, just, just inducted into the Cowboy Hall of Fame. And he used to say in training camp, um, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, how true is that? Cause you can be, man, I got a plan. I know what I'm going to do, yeah. but you really haven't really grounded that plan and exactly what it is and when you're doing it in time and calendar. We're going to talk about that next week that, um, that gives, sets you up to, to not get fatigued and your level of success drops so dramatically. Yeah. Give us some practical, um, before we move on here, give us some practical that people need to do if they want to, feel healthier in this area, feel more confident, feel more peace, less worry, um, more clarity. Yeah. Here, here's how I do it, guys. This is simple, but uh, it's not easy is the way I would describe it. Is, uh, you, you, again, you got to know where you are and where you want to go. You start with where you want to go because that, you, you need a certain kind of energy to really want to do this work. Um, I mean, the work of, of the actually, where are you? So to, where you want to go is that great future that you're trying to create that, that three-year vision that we talked about and boiling it down to the, 
um, to the, to the more immediate, the one year, what does that look like? Um, which we've got other podcasts on that many, many times. And then specifically for the financial though, in light of that, where I'm going and exciting vision, I need clear economic drivers. So in, in light of what I'm, I'm lining up to do in lining w- with where we are, what are the things that I am going to hit? And, and so we, we, there's three, we use Donald Miller's, uh, framework for this, who, you know, wrote story brand and a bunch of other great books. Um, so like one, here's great financial advisor, uh, metrics that it, probably at least one of these, if not all of them should apply. We will have X amount of annual and X uh, slash X amount of monthly. So that's just the annual divided by 12 financial planning, retainer revenue by, and you set the date. And if that's calendar year, which right now would be good to have a calendar year, that's what you do. So we're going to have this much annual money that we've made, or maybe it's this, we've built to this much monthly money coming in by this date. And then you're going to, another one you can use is AUM. You could say, we have X amount of annual AUM revenue by X. The third one, we have generated X amount annual commission revenue by X. So, some version of that should apply to most of the people listening. And again, this, this is, this is strictly, you're going to have other drivers. Okay. But there's got to be some economic driver because your business needs to make money and you should have some objective of what you think. If you do the work, like we help people create more than they consume using our holistic financial planning process that, that helps them align the use of their capital with what they really care about. Uh, we know that creates great outcomes. And we also know that this stuff is going to happen. So, so backing into that and figuring out, okay, what are those numbers is critically important. The second part is then you got to start with where you are. And that's just reviewing historical financials. You know what I like to do real simple is I, I just make a budget by starting with the bones of what we did last year. And meaning that's that. So I'm not inputting a bunch of new numbers. If you've never done one before or you don't track your stuff, maybe you have to, but you can just literally hit budget and it creates, this is what you had last year and in all the categories. And then what I'm going to do is begin to go through and, and here two, two exercises that I would recommend here. Cause it's, it's, you know, we talked about this in the onset, you need both of these mindsets going into it. There's, there's a quote by Jamie Lerner and uh, it says, if you want creativity, take a zero off your budget. And if you want stability, take off two zeros. So I think a, a, one good exercise to start with is just go through that thing and start knocking off. Do you, what, what, if you had to cut something, what would you cut? And, and if you had to, uh, you know, or, or shrink something, what would you shrink? Go through that. Really use your creative energy on that. Because what you're going to find, I mean, there's subscriptions and things you belong to that probably just are out of date. You don't use them or, or you don't, you know, they're not, they're not there anymore. They're not uh, a big part of your organization. There's some stuff that it's, it's just marginally useful that you can take out. And some stuff you're like, if I had to, this would be what goes. I don't want to, but I would, I would, I would cut this to survive. Right. So you kind of, you go through that exercise. And then I like going the other way. I like saying, in light of where we're trying to go, if, if I, what, one, that first exercise probably created a lot of margin in your budget already. It, it created a lot of extra unused capital because you cut a bunch of stuff out that you had last year that you don't have this year. And then secondarily, then you go to the other side and say, all right, what do I want to put in that's not in there? And then, and then you start adding that stuff that you believe is really going to move the needle in light of that, that we all have limits. You know, we don't have unlimited capital, but what would you put in there 
And then if you added a zero, what would you put in there? You know, then, then you can start really dreaming because budgets are dynamic, Andy. I mean, the reality is this, is we, we, I create, based on this exercise that we just went through, we have everybody on the team sees it every week. We have a survival line that says, this is the minimum investment to keep our organization going based on the minimal budget. Okay, that's, that's that. And I'm not, nobody's happy, but we're sleeping indoors and eating, right? So that, that's there. Then you have the stability line, which is some version above that, that we kind of go, this is really where things have worked. We've been able to do some extra stuff. And then we have the thriving line. And that one's like the, hey, stretch objective for the year based on firm reality. Now, more's always better. That's great. Um, and every week they, there's a, you are here. Everybody sees where are we relative to our, our red line, our blue line and our green line. And it's like a 45 degree angle, let's say of expenses going up that's in red above that's the blue and it's, it's, it's a little more money and it tracks. So you've got, you know, time on the bottom and you've got, uh, money, um, going up the side and on, on that axis. And it's just a great way for everybody every week to be informed of where are we relative to where we're trying to go. And are we getting healthier? Or are we getting sicker? And do we need to change anything? Because if we're in that red line, Andy, in four months, I'm going to need to redo the budget, at least until we begin to gain some 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 altitude. Sure. You know, and I, I think about this in light of, um, you know, I have a dear, dear, dear friend. Uh, and we'll wrap with this before we, uh, next week's episode, we'll talk more about how this might affect your actual calendar and your time. Uh, but I think this is a good segue. You know, I have a very good friend that recently was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he probably has three or four months to live and just been a phenomenal mentor of mine for many, many, I mean, almost, almost 18 years. And I know how grateful he is to know his situation. He's really grateful to know that he's got four months left versus not knowing and then he's done, right? Yeah. His budgeted time is less than most of ours, right? But he's really grateful to know because he knows what he wants to do in that time. He knows how much time he has left. And so some people might look at that and say, that's really sad. And, and it is sad, right? But because of his attitude and kind of person he is, and for him, the hope of heaven, he said, well, I got four months. So guess everybody's coming to my house. <laughs> uh, and everybody's coming to his house, right? Yeah. And he's like, you know, he's been very clear, like, it's time to start telling me how I've impacted your life because I'm not going to be at the funeral. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I, I want to encourage us all on a larger level. Like, I think that's a good segue to, um, you know, it, it's it's better to know. I know it's hard to know. It's really hard for my friend to know. But our 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 behavior changes when we have more data uh, and um, living in the dark is no way to live. So Wes, thanks for your time today, Justin. Thank you as well. Thank you for listening. Uh, we hope that you'll continue to tune in and um, continue to take action based upon the things we teach. We'll see you at the next uh, episode.